0: Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. Today is Thursday, November 17th, 2022. This is edition number 33 of season 6 as we continue to work our way through the book of Exodus. My name is Pastor William Hill. I'm the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. Today we come to Exodus chapter 33. Let's pray together and then we'll consider this chapter. Our God in heaven, as we come before your word again this morning, we come... Uh, knowing that we are in desperate need of your help to understand your word. We thank you for giving it to us, and we thank you that it lights our path. We thank you that it is the bread of life. We thank you that it teaches us and reveals to us something of yourself, that which you have determined to show us. We thank you that you are our God. We are your people. You have not abandoned us to our own devices. You are the God of the covenant. You are faithful to us each and every day. Help us now, we pray, to understand your word. Grant us your spirit as you've promised. We ask for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, we come to Exodus chapter 33. We are now living in the wake of the great disaster that occurred in Exodus 32 and the golden calf experience, where God threatened to eliminate the people and begin over start over with Moses. We know that Moses pleads on behalf of the people and God relents of this disaster. He sends a plague, verse 35, on the people because they made the calf the one that Aaron made. Now we noted, of course, that this is instructive to us as it relates to the second commandment, which the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, for whatever reason, seems to labor diligently to get around time and time again. The commandment could not, could not be more clear. We are to not make any representation of the Godhead, nor are we to worship any representation of the Godhead. Be that as it may, Exodus 33 comes in the wake of these things, and really the chapter can be broken into three primary sections. First, the Lord threatens to abandon his people. Now, the thought of that is just almost too terrible to contemplate. Of course, God in his wisdom is working on Moses, further strengthening him, further teaching him about what it means to mediate and to serve the people. But we note this in the First eight verses of the, or the first, um, yeah, the first six verses of the chapter. Primarily, we note in verse two: "I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Parasites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Jebusites, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. But I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people." Now, upon hearing this pronouncement of the Lord, the people. Uh, immediately are thrown into panic they are uh, they are stricken with great fear they mourned verse four no one put on his ornaments for the Lord said, said to Moses say to the people of Israel you are a stiff-necked people if for a single moment I should go up among you I would consume you and so there is this threat this apparent threat that God is going to eliminate he is going to abandon them now, of course, we know that the, the Word of God is very clear that He does not and will not abandon His covenant people. He is faithful even when we are faithless. But He's doing this to teach them a lesson. He's also doing this to teach Moses a lesson. Now, this matter is further strengthened, of course, in the next set of verses, verses 7 through 11, where we note that Moses, now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Now, this tent appears to be, at least, a different tent, a different place of meeting than the one originally given as instructed to be built, and the one that was originally ordered as the tabernacle. Now, one commentator even points this out when he says uh, this description of this tent of meeting being located far off and outside the camp contrasts with the description of the tabernacle as the place where the Lord was to dwell in their midst. This section steps off the main storyline and introduces tension in the narrative related to how the covenant breach and the Lord's response will affect the existence of the sanctuary that has been described. And so, in some sense, this further strengthens God's apparent dealings with the people and his apparent statements to consume them. If he were to go with them, he abandoned apparently strengthens the argument that he is seeking to abandon them to their own devices. Now, we have to realize that this is due to the sin and wickedness of men. This is not due to God, but this is due to their behavior. As a result, in the third section, verses 12 to the end of the chapter, Moses again intercedes on behalf of the people. In much the same way as Moses does this, Jesus Christ does it for us. He intercedes. He daily intercedes on behalf of us. We are weak people. We are sometimes stiff-necked people. We often break God's commandments. In fact, we do so daily in thought, word, and deed. But yet, the Lord Jesus Christ intercedes on our behalf day and night that we might not be consumed. And so, he pleads with the God of heaven that he might relent of this particular course of action And he says um, uh, to them, uh, to him, verse 17, The Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And so this is the passage in which Moses is, he is hidden. Uh, the glory of the Lord passes by. Moses sees his, uh, sees his backside, but he does not see his face. But here, God relents of the determination to abandon the people. Moses acting as a type of Christ here, mediating on behalf of the people. And we should draw comfort from the fact that our, our God, will not, he will never abandon us. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, the Savior says. We have the presence of His Spirit always dwelling with us. We have the interceding work and the mediatorial work of Jesus Christ, the High Priest who is at His Father's right hand. He is pleading for us. He is pleading for you day and night. And so you can trust and lay hold of that, even in times of great despair or despondency, even in times where life is very, very difficult. In times of sin, we can run to Christ and we can... Lay hold of the promises that he will forgive us, for he is just and faithful uh, to do that. And so, here we're instructed much of the servant heart of Moses for the people, his love and concern for them, but we're also mindful of God's faithfulness to never give up on his people, to work and labor through a mediator that he might bring his people to their heavenly rest. I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to contact me is there before you on the screen. And so until the Friday edition, when we consider uh, Exodus 34 and uh, all that it gives and teaches us there, may the Lord help you today to trust Him, walk in His ways. May God bless you.